Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Okay. Hello and Hello and welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry, you go. I'll start. <laughs> Hello and Hello welcome. Hello and well oh. <laughs> oh my god. This is this is Why is that wildly in the unprofessional? You knew that was coming. That's what she said. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company what? show for Hello, everybody. I missed it. I missed it by like three seconds. All right, sorry. We're done. My bad. Out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs or Dundamip. Then the people purses paper people, Dundamip. Then the people purses paper people, Dundamip. Then the people purses paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host, and next summer I'll be six, Sean Roney. <laughs> And I'm Edwin Jane's hot tie guy. <laughs> nice. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. I hate disappointing just one person. <laughs> and I really hate disappointing everyone. But I love Burlington Coat Factory. You go in there for $645, you are literally a king. <laughs> Every week we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. Uh, This week after our main topic, we'll go to the conference room for a mini segment and then finish up with some trivia as usual. Uh, This week we'll be discussing The Surplus, Season 5, Episode 10, written by Lee Eisenberg. I'm going to take this again. I'm sorry. Nah. uh Uh-uh. I'm leaving this. All right. Well... I'm going to say it again then. The Surplus, Season 5, Episode 10, <laughs> written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupnitsky, directed by Paul Feig, and aired on December 4th, 2008. Ah, what a time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why uh, the surplus? We're doing this this episode here. Uh, Edwin, why are we doing the surplus so today, dude? So, in thinking about... Uh, our last few episodes in the Alliance and in the Michael and Dwight episodes that we've aired recently, we, there's been this dynamic of Michael kind of being, uh, as the manager, kind of talking down to his employees or being a little bit on another level from his employees um, or being on a separate level from Dwight, for example, that sort of power dynamic between mm-hmm. a boss and his employees um, or a manager and, and their employees. Um, but... Uh, in this episode, we see that play out again, but Michael is so eager to get everyone's approval. Uh, mm. And there is that dynamic of him being the manager, the one who has to, the person who has to make decisions is, uh, is uh, separate from what the group wants. They're looking to him to make the decision. So just playing with that dynamic again, this seemed like a good episode uh, to look into. I swallowed all your ideas. I'm going to digest them and see what comes out the other end. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's. Oh, I'm just pooping. You know how I be. <laughs> it's I, a very good one-two punch. I it is. It's it's a number two punch is what it is. <laughs> well, I think these two. So, it's the surplus is an episode that. <clears throat> I, it's it's kind of near the middle of season five. Like when I get to that episode, I'm usually cruising, uh, for a bruising, mm-hmm. and I, 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 it comes and goes, and I'm like, oh, that's a good episode. But when I just remove it from the context of season five, because season five's got a, you know, the whole Michael Scott Paper Company art comes after. There's there's a lot going on in season five, and this is such a beautiful gem of an episode, mm-hmm. and really diving deep into it, I was just taken with. <laughs> I was just taken with how well structured it is, um, how refreshing it is. Of like, it feels like a season one episode in the middle of season five, hmm. and the stakes feel low but high at the same time, which is the best office thing going on. Where it's like, at the end of the day, no one's going to get real hurt. Nothing is really at stake here yeah. other than Michael's own feelings, and it's just a incredible episode really loved it yeah the i'd say you know the main storyline kind of stands alone uh uh outside of like the season arc you know uh, i think really the only uh, what i would call the c storyline is is dwight and angela and andy uh angela and andy visiting shroot farms uh to uh Toward as a wedding oh, venue. You're putting that as a C yeah, story. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. Yeah. What's your A what's your A and B, Buster? What's your game, friendo? <clears throat> I guess you where, could where do you get off? <laughs> what gives you the right? <laughs> what gives you the right? What <laughs> um who do you think you are? Who um <laughs> Okay. Uh do you think you are? I I do. I I think of uh Dwight and Angela and Andy as a C storyline here. I guess I was combining uh, I don't. It's it's tough because I think I think of Michael versus everyone as an A storyline. Michael having to make the tough decision, um, that is a lose lose for him, uh, of whether to get shares or copier or, uh, take the money for himself, um, and then the B storyline being Jim and Pam. Oh, interesting. How do you how do okay. you see it? What do you think? Uh, uh, well, I, I the A storyline is deciding what to do with the surplus, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jim and Pam is really just like there. That storyline is a part of that. Yeah, true. it's baked like, in. It's, it's a it's a light rivalry. It's it's a sub it's a subplot line within the larger one. Versus, to me, I'd say the Dwight Angela Andy storyline is a, sol- a solid B storyline that exists outside of the office, completely mm-hmm. separate. Uh, and then the, yeah, yeah, if the, you were to write uh, a log line for this episode, like a two sentence description, you would say Michael needs to decide how to use an office surplus without making everyone mad. Dwight, Angela, and Andy tour Shrewd Farms as a wedding venue. That would be your two sentence. Mm, yeah. Yes. Mm. yes. Okay. Yeah, Sean. Okay. All right, fine. Fine. Okay. We- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Take two days and call me in the morning. <laughs> what, uh, the D storyline would be Michael versus the chocolate powder on the tiramisu. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm happy to start with that scene because God, there's two moments in this episode that got me doubled over laughing. And that one is it because it's, 
I can't even think about it's it. It's so funny. The timing with which he takes his second bite yeah. as he starts to explain again. <laughs> and it happens again. I just, and, and David Wallace is like, is that why you're calling me? And, and I just, I don't know, man. That one, it just killed me how long that takes to happen to have just that little <laughs> phone call. And That he would eat, the other, eat yeah, it while yeah. he was calling David Wallace. You couldn't do those things in separate orders. <laughs> And he goes back for more yeah. after he finally While he's calling to ask <laughs> David Wallace to take like make the tough decision and take oh the heat God. off of him. I I this just reminds me that we need to do a phone call draft one oh. time of just best phone calls on the show. Ooh, very nice. Um because there's so many. That's um, a good one. That's a gold ticket uh, idea. Yeah, we should do that. And and then uh the other one is is just the little shot of Stanley when uh, Hank says not much lumbar support yeah. and just the look that Stanley gives the camera I, 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 it, it caught me by surprise and I audibly went ah! and I kind of like I just started laughing so hard oh, this this episode is really is really really good the Tiramisu yes, joke is so funny first of all for Steve Carell's performance you know, he's faking it, but it is like so realistic his reaction to inhaling the yeah. chocolate powder. And then, um, like, I just want to know, like, I was just listening to uh, Brian Baumgartner's um, oral history of The Office, and they were talking about, I think it was Lee Eisenberg who co-wrote this episode, was talking about how they have a lot of things uh, that happen in the writer's room that end up in the show, like Call of Duty was a writer's room thing. They used to, all the writers used to play Call of Duty at the same time in the office. Um, I just wa- I just wonder if somebody ordered tiramisu the day that they were oh, pitching just... ideas about this. And that kept oh, happening. No. <laughs> uh, this is only kind of related, but on the Conan podcast, the Conan O'Brien uh, Needs a Friend podcast, one time they told the story about Greg Daniels giving up sugar. So he used to just buy pies and smell them. That is what? psychotic. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, wow. But I agree with you on... Uh, I saw a little taste of it. <laughs> that was good. I, I agree with you on Steve Carell slash Michael Scott. Anytime that Michael Scott is out of breath, it's a hilarious moment. <laughs> yes. He delivers yes, so many... Call. Comedic blows by being out of breath. Kevin as, sitting like, on him. It's like, see, yeah. yeah. When they walk into this episode and he is laughing. <sighs> yeah. I, I've decided as I do these to start collecting more Michael yeah. guttural you, noises. You got to. And have a I whole had, beautiful palette. When he says, I, I had so much egg on my face. When he says that moment, he's out of breath. So. Yes. <laughs> and, and when he said, shut it under his breath. Shut. Yeah, yeah. Always, <laughs> always, always hilarious. Uh, but yes, uh, we should back to the back to the A story. Yeah, let's start. Okay, let's sure. let's kind of start at the beginning with Michael and Oscar. I love Oscar as the sort of teaching figure for Michael. Um, mm-hmm. He enters asking for this decision and kind of uh, you you know that Oscar is kind of planning to set up the the the. Uh, the suggestion of the copier, uh, but he ends up having to explain the entire notion of a surplus to Michael. Uh, and then it gets yes. brought back, brought out to the larger group for them to discuss. Yeah. There's the X axis. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. That, that cold open is one of my favorites of all time, I think. And just a great moment between Oscar and Michael. 
anytime um, the two of them are discussing uh, adult subjects like surpluses mm. or finances in yes. general. And this scary bar is stuff that no one ever needs. Exactly. Yeah. I present to you the <laughs> rational consumer, as it were. <laughs> he, uh, he, I, I do enjoy these moments when Oscar, a little, uh, his acting is great because he, he is relishing it a little bit. Like he gets a little bit of joy of like being the one who knows. He's a good yeah. teacher in this moment. He's a very good teacher. He does. He does a. He just roll. He knows Michael so well, and when Michael backtracks <laughs> from age eight to age five, he's ready with the lemonade stand. It's a perfect analogy, uh, and 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 Michael really gets it, and he wants to. And like he, you first to the company is mommy and daddy, and he he brings the dollar amount to ten dollars, and he makes it very Michael friendly. Yeah. Uh, in a way that he understands, and then they flip it to uh, to ha- and then they flip that with Hank, where Michael starts to explain it yes. to Hank. He says, "I know what a surplus is. I know what a surplus <laughs> yeah. is." And then, I mean, to, to kind of again talk about using very easy math for Michael, <laughs> you know, the the what uh, the fifteen percent rule with commission mm-hmm. and how he right. gets Michael to kind of show his hand that uh, he knows. Why did you say dollars? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Seems like you know. And the way, when he finally points Michael out, he literally points him out, the way Oscar stands and points at Michael of like, he knows. Yeah. He knows. He like does the step. It's a step in point. It's such a tattletale move from like kindergarten. It's so funny that he's like explaining to me like I'm five and then Oscar acts like he's five later when he's like, he knows he's going to screw us over. I, uh, great stuff. It is, and then we get the office dividing, and Michael says, "Oh, so teams are forming." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's as right. Pam very quickly uh, creates team chair, and the office is divided about whether or not they should go for a copier or the chair. Very important point, which is that this this sort of situation Michael finds himself in, which he almost feels like he's the malicious figure. It, it's this episode begins. He's very open. He's like, "Great copier, I can do that." Everyone cool with that? Yeah. And then there's disagreement, and he's like, okay, so chairs instead. And then Oscar comes back at him. And so the solution Michael ends up at of like, hey, how about you guys decide, and you tell me, or I'm taking the bonus, is actually the best option, because that's how it starts, is the two sides. Like, Michael's willing to just go with Oscar and then willing to go with Pam. Mm-hmm. And so it should never have really been foisted upon Michael in the first place. Mm. I'm thinking... I don't think it actually is his decision to make. No, I agree uh, that he does kind of make the call. That seems like a very good move. You decide amongst mm-hmm. yourselves. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he'll make uh, he'll he'll go with that. I mean, I know that I talked about our episode about the Alliance, but in that episode, when they get the mint chocolate chip cake for Meredith, it's Michael gets it because that's what he wants. And that's it. And Pam tries to appeal to him that to get something maybe that Meredith can enjoy or that everyone can enjoy mint chocolate chip. And that's the end yeah, of discussion. So (laughs) in this moment, Michael is trying to to do what everyone wants. He is trying to build consensus and he does. He wants to be part of the group, which is so interesting because in different moments in the show, he is outside of the group in uh, in email surveillance when he's trying to become he's trying to go to Jim's party or uh, uh, just any moment like that when he he wants to be friends with everyone. Um, and then what happens as they're all trying to appeal to Michael to get him to decide the way that he wants, 
the office kind of becomes this version of heaven for Michael, where everyone <laughs> is yes, so nice to him and he's having a great time and he's going that out to lunch one with everybody. shot where he's like high fiving yeah. people and Stanley's opening yes. the door for Follows him. Follows him out of the annex and yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's a precursor to the cold open and nepotism with the lip sync almost, where you get this single tracking shot of Michael's greatest day in the office from from like back in the break room all the way to his yeah it's great it's a lovely shot michael is on cloud nine everything he dreams about is coming to he goes out to lunch yeah yeah with jim and oscar and their best day ever they're high-fiving mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, good friends cra- good times yeah. good fun the way that jim <laughs> pops in on that like oh wait, yeah you guys going to lunch you guys going to lunch can i come yeah come on <laughs> and in this perfect scenario for michael Toby is very strategically removed very early on. Yes. Uh, he can't he can't yes. ruin anything because he speaks up and you know he Michael says you are the silent killer why don't you go back to the annex. That's the moment too that people will point at as uh, evidence for Toby being this Cranton strangler. Exhibit A yeah. Yeah. he says you'll mm-hmm. you'll see. Yeah. And the camera does seem to linger on him more mm-hmm. intentionally than you'd think. But but that's but, uh, even even in his perfect shot when Michael is walking all the way back to his office, Toby isn't yes. really a part of it. You feel like it, in another it, we, episode... We see him being sad yeah, in an, on the it, way. Yes, that's what I mean. In another episode, you feel like... Uh, or you could see a version of this where Toby is there and just kind of takes the air out of Michael's sails. Like walking in with a bow tie and a stack of teacups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's why people that's why are leaving. wants to work here. Uh, oh, boy. We just went two different directions on that quote. We just went... It's okay. I went one way, you went another. That's okay. Who knows? We'll leave it up to the audience. <laughs> Uh, I, I, so the structure of this whole choice is, I, this is why the writing is so good on this episode because there are these three storylines, but just as strongly it felt to me that there's three acts to this. And this is, this Which is, is a lot of you know, screenwriting. Yeah, you write things in acts, standard, right? Yeah. And when I looked at, I just only bring this up because when I looked at the moment Michael has the call with David Wallace and realizes he can get the bonus is like exactly two thirds of the way. Mm-hmm. through the episode like it is exactly at that two that third act mark when he goes oh wait a minute there's a third option and it adds this whole other layer this this is the this is the none of the above multiple choice question that's messing michael up where he's like oh i love coats um <laughs> he reacts by the way he reacts to 645 dollars like there's another zero on yeah there. He's oh yeah just un- unbelievable well, he says uh, i already have 645 dollars <laughs> Sort yes. I don't know. How sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is wine. Uh, I already have wine. I think he's still recovering from his debt with Jan at this point. But of course. Uh, hence the credit. I don't know how he got a got a credit line at Burlington. I guess. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's a brilliant choice because they they're preying on Michael's selfishness, like you see the mint chocolate chip type thing, where it's like, oh wait, you don't you can completely do something else here. And he actually ends up with maybe the most mature way to use that information. He kind of stumbles into it of saying, you figure out or I'm taking the bonus. Um, And he doesn't really try to necessarily hide from it for that long, which is not like Michael. There are a handful of other moments like this. Um, For example, when uh, they're going there, like Michael asked, uh, they asked Michael what toppings to get. And he says, I don't know, Pam, what toppings do you like? And she's so surprised and under her breath, she says, (laughs) Hot fudge? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it makes me think, you know, I, I agree that Michael does eventually come to a good decision, even though he's already made the wrong one by buying the coat. 
because at some point well, he has yeah. to buy the coat. I mean, yeah. But the idea of putting it back to his workers to to, to decide, everyone yeah. in the staff to decide how to make uh, the decision. But he also could have taken the money and somehow like thrown a party or something. Don't you think there's another way that he could have still utilized that money over. for the good of everyone? True. Um, he really I mean, wants if he takes the, the coat, money. Though. He's he's lowering their amount from you know forty three hundred bucks mm-hmm. down to six forty. It's kind of like the bonus in the Christmas party episode that he takes and buys the iPod for Ryan. Yes. You th- you would have thought that there w- he could have gotten maybe some other. <laughs> he mid- could have bought Ryan another iPod. He could have bought yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ryan who was not in this episode or an yeah. iPhone who had just come out. Yeah, where was Ryan? I was thinking that in Christmas party it'd be f- like what other like mid two thousands appropriate gift could Michael have gotten for everyone? Maybe a bunch of Zunes or hey some Prism Judo Sports. <laughs> You've seen one of these? Uh huh. Yeah, I, 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 sorry, I said where was Ryan? I, he, Ryan's at the bowling alley this whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. He's yes, not yeah. getting back in the fold yet. Yeah, but it is. It is an interesting thing. This might transition to the other storyline, but like not having Dwight and Andy, is, who I think would be pretty big voices in this episode, is is it's it's that's good true. that they're not there because they, you know, I think Oscar uh, and we get a little more Hank, a little more Oscar. Like if Dwight is there, I feel like. This is an yeah, entirely different rolls. episode. Yeah, absolutely steamrolls. I don't. He probably would have had a different idea altogether. Um, just like Toby, who was like, "We need to have the air quality tested." Uh, mm-hmm. With which does that cost? I don't know if that costs six hundred and fifty bucks to get your air quality. Tested. Yeah, I guess he buys the radon kits later. Yeah. So. or like maybe the radon test kit. <laughs> Or like I could also see Dwight like being on to everyone being nice to Michael, but it takes him a little bit to figure it out. <laughs> mm. Like Michael, they're trying to <laughs> they're, they're trying to trick you, they're trying to deceive yeah. you. We also saw Andy as the yes man pre anger management. Yeah. When Dwight yeah. was at Staples, uh Michael kind of sees that. Which is funny because he doesn't see it now. But but mm-hmm. um but agreed that having both of them and Angela Removed from the removed from the fray, um, some strong opinions. Yeah, it does does create a funnier dynamic between the two because nobody else seems to uh, vote that strongly. Right. Yeah, they fall in line one way or the other, but nobody besides say, Oscar and Pam. Oscar and Pam is a funny duo to be going back and yes. forth. Yeah, <laughs> they're the they're they're the captains of these pickup teams. Mm-hmm. But like people seem to, as the episode goes on, they seem to be more entrenched. Yes. Especially Stanley, I feel like starts to have a bigger opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, that's really, we see Stanley get involved. We see Creed needs three Phyllis chairs. a little bit. Creed. Yeah. Creed's got his yeah. own chair yeah. thing going on, <laughs> but, but yes, it is a, it, it's a rare Oscar Pam, uh, showdown. My mother's in a wheelchair. Well, he could <laughs> <Are> still <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Other than the, yeah. Another fun sort of clash between Oscar and Pam is when Oscar begins to, to make the point about we are a paper company. How can we put our paper in one of these, in this wretched machine? Yeah. And she says, no, Oscar, this is not the time for one of your principled stances. (laughs) Yes, totally. Yep. Guys, you're arguing over a one in 16 chance over a prize (laughs) worth 40 bucks. That's, I guess that's another time. Pam's like, I got this great prize. And he's like, it's not a great prize. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even want to give Pam credit because you're so, uh, but this is a really good price. <laughs> they clash a little bit, I guess, when they're helping Aaron with the crossword. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pu- uh, thing with Gabe or whatever they're playing. A Scrabble. This happens again when Oscar, Angela, and Pam 
are talking or Angela and Pam are talking about their babies. Uh, Oscar is talking about his dog, uh, Gerald. And then uh, Andy starts bringing <laughs> nice. up his boat. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's a drop waiting to happen. <laughs> I know. I think I cut it. So I think I have it somewhere. It's just not in the board. Mm-hmm. But again, not in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I also so, want to talk oh, yeah. about. I also want to talk about Jim and Pam in this. Um, yeah, because it's it, what's interesting about this little rival rivalry that they have in this episode is that first of all, it's it's, it's all fun. I would I would say it's all fun. It it, it doesn't feel the least bit like really dramatic um and but this comes after the uh this is after the whole uh pam art school story arc um so i guess it's just kind of nice to see them fighting or disagreeing um but it's all in good fun and uh and you know that everything's going to be okay Yeah, I think that's why, as Alex was saying at the beginning of this episode, that uh, when you remove it from the rest of season five, which does have all these extra subplots, Michael and Holly at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season and Pam at uh, at art school um, and then the Michael Scott paper company later in the season. um, There's just a lot of big storylines. And uh, in this in in this episode, um, if you if you separate it from the rest of the season, the problem is very mundane. And that's why it feels so kind of true to the heart of the show. It's a very big, involved, uh, comedic episode of television about a very small uh, problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, it was very intentional. After Pam makes that first, like, oh, of course, Jim, and kind of walks over and does that, this almost kiss of death to Jim of like, you better fall in line or there's <laughs> going to be a problem. Yeah, is then you just get that quick gets the shiver shot of Jim going, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, it, it it does sort of set it that oh there this is a game that uh, is is I'll say it erotic for both of them. <laughs> there, I um, I do. It also gets set I up. I think this all plays out a little later in the bedroom. There you go. Um, it, do you ever think about it? I always think about what they look like. <laughs> I also have one of them in the nude, but that's for me. <laughs> I'm glad that Alex brought up that moment actually because I love. <clears throat> I think there's a jump cut there between her like get smooching him and then like smacking him on the shoulder and saying, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, and, totally. and there is a rhythm to this episode. I don't know if you guys felt that, but I had it just kind of on repeat a few times before, uh, before starting to record and like, there's just a fabulous rhythm to the way... I mean, it's, it feels very action-packed when everyone gets in Michael's ear and is trying to win him over. Like, that whole scene when Oscar and Jim are inviting him to lunch or when Pam is, uh, you know, calling him hot tie guy and stuff like that. I think that... Um, I think the editing is really fabulous in this episode. So I just wanted to give that a shout I, I agree. I think even the even some of the looks of the camera aren't given as much time to breathe. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. when uh, Michael turns around to show her his, show Pam his pants, yeah, uh, the way she gives a very quick look to the camera, the way Stanley looks $9. at the camera, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. boys department uh, or boys department, yeah. <laughs> or like you know, I was thinking everyone sits on a chair, but not everyone sits on a copier or even uses a copier yeah every day yeah um 
she, she like, just like the, goes with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like the timing of that little, the rhythm uh-huh. of that little uh, of scene. I just, I, I just thought there were a lot of moments oh, like right. that in this episode. That's the that's the same with the Stanley look at the camera. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> is it, it's the timing of it yeah. that is so funny and how quickly it is after this one. Next summer, not much lumbar support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had to, had to put that on the drop board nice. for uh, I think last week we talked or so, a few weeks ago someone's that was someone's non musical oh. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, I don't know when I'll use that again, but I will. You know, there's oh, yeah. there's a, you, you talk about the way that the the quickness of this dialogue or the or the rhythm of it, the way that Meredith says, "Jim, good for you standing up to Pam," is is kind of subtle. It's kind of like a voice mm-hmm. of the audience a little bit. Kind of mm-hmm. uh, sowing discord as this moment between the two of them, um, and it's a little different from uh, Meredith. <laughs> Meredith, cheer, get a divorce later on. <laughs> Those kinds of moments. No. It's just it's a very it's a quicker line. Yeah, I love that Creed gives him a look at that moment too, <laughs> when she's like, "Good for you, standing up to Pam." Yeah, he's he's tuned into what's going yeah. on. He does the thing. When Pam's at art school, when he comes up and gives Jim the shoulder rub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? He That's knows right. what's going on. That's right. Yeah. Um, Should we move to the Dwight, Angela, Andy storyline? Yes. This, as yeah, as so we far all agreed, touched. the C story. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, no, I see no, a different no. story. Okay. <laughs> no. Oh, be, behave, yeah. Sean. You're wrong. Um, yeah. So Pudding. this, this starts <laughs> This starts in the in the break room. Um, them discussing, kind of arguing over the contract uh, for the Shroot Farms wedding. And then uh, we travel to Shroot Farms. I love that Andy is kind of the mediator in this. Um, he is the one. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Dwight, can you slaughter the entrees the day before if we pay extra? I'll consider it. <laughs> It, Darn! <laughs> agreed. It is funny to watch Andy be the mediator between a, the mediator between a Dwight and Angela conversation. Yes, two very yes. Uh, strong uh, strong opinions there, and Andy trying to uh, trying to come to some sort of agreement while also being the money. <laughs> no, no kidding. If we pay He's... extra, that's his solution. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was feeling Andy by the way on his talking head because we're I'm in the th- I'm in the throes of wedding planning myself uh, right yes. now, and. Uh, this like we looked at twelve venues. I put in eight deposits, and I've seen Angela naked zero times. Yeah, um, I don't have quite the same ratio going on, <laughs> but <laughs> I haven't put down deposits. Uh, I've never seen myself naked, but that's a different issue. <laughs> anyway, have you made that, the decision about the butter sculpture? The, yeah. the ideas, uh, goat. By the way, yeah. uh, everybody like the amount of money Andy has blown on this is so funny. Like he's putting. He's putting down these deposits, and then it all ends up here. Shroot Farms, uh, back in the barn. I, I I can only imagine Dwight charges exorbitant fees. Oh, yeah. Upselling Andy like crazy throughout this. <laughs> He's also booked several honeymoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On top I of... I bet the honeymoons are for t- the Germans in that closed society. Yeah. <laughs> Minutes from Shroot Farms. <laughs> As you continue your wedding planning, and you can cut this out if you want, whenever you you're talking about something to be in the ceremony, like at the event, I just want you to imagine uh, a butter sculpture of Walter, 
<laughs> standing oh, amongst the crowd. That's our, that's our cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, and then you can let Walter lick the butter sculpture. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm definitely leaving that in. Yeah. <laughs> that's going nowhere. <laughs> but, of course, um, we were looking for a kitten. <laughs> I need more cat drops. It comes up enough. But, but, of course, we see, even though Angela is kind of taken in the moment, uh, it all goes away when Dwight surprises her by telling literally, her literally taken in the moment yeah that she that they they're now married yes that andy it's, signed the the marriage certificate as their uh witness, the witness? yeah yeah in the eyes of pennsylvania mm-hmm. it's official it's brilliant because <clears throat> once again dwight is his own worst enemy he he won he succeeded in convincing yes. her to marry him instead yes he, she was ready to say that and then he was like, because, and then because he kind of tricked her and did it without her permission, he loses her again. Um, just like when things were really good between them during, you know, at the beginning of mm-hmm. Fun Run, and then he had to lock her cat in a freezer. <laughs> it's like he ran an him. incredible, it's like he ran an incredible touchdown run and then got pen, got it pulled back for like taunting and celebrating at the end yes. like, yeah you, you throwing up you middle fingers just, and you just had to put the ball down and walk away yeah, yeah. Exactly. last week's episode was about dwight and michael and we talk you know about michael being this sort of pseudo mentor for dwight this is a very michael-esque thing to do do everything right and then ruin it at the end yep <laughs> yep i mean it's not to be fair, it's not totally Dwight's fault. He's been telling Angela to take German for years. Yeah, yeah. Although That's later true. in the season, when Pam is fixing the copier or setting up the new copier, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that Dwight is trying to help her by reading the German instructions. The mostly religious. Oh, that's yeah. Right, right. Yeah, with his mostly religious uh, uh-huh. pre-industrial. Ceremonial yeah. sarcophagus. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a question. I was thinking. I was going to ask your opinion on this, Sean. But the set that they use for the barn, with yeah. the lights and the minister, yeah. we don't see that again when we go to the finale and Angela and, right. and Dwight have their wedding. Do you think, like, I don't know, if you were you going to, if you were going to like create a set like that, would you feel any sort of? Do you think there's any sort of need to try to bring it back later in the show, or I don't know? Yeah, I I bet that. I wonder if somebody in the art department said, you know, we did a wedding at Shroot Farms pretty much already <laughs> with the pews and right. the lights and the all that. Um, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I would imagine uh, the set decorator being a little bit like, uh, well, I mean, you know, I th- I kind of think I got to say, I think this wedding is a little bit uh, the the set for this wedding is a little bit nicer than the one that they ended up going with i feel like it's just uh, a tent in a field uh, well the, yeah that i mean the finale they need a lot more room there's a lot more people there there's tons of stuff going on mm-hmm. it would be a lot I mean, harder to one... get that shot of mose looking at a scarecrow exactly. ah yes well that's why you have <laughs> right. to put the whole All wedding the outside parking. for that one joke <laughs> also dwight didn't have the graves dug for this one oh, yeah. <laughs> right you know like he he didn't do it official uh obviously he had a twine ring right. also part of this to me is dwight would if he was going to throw a wedding for someone, it wouldn't be in the barn. I think he would do the tent thing because he wants this to be a moment he reveals it to Angela. Like she, he wants the moment where she's where it's revealed and she sees it and her breath is taken away mm-hmm. in a moment. And if you're doing a big tent, 
you know, you see that coming when you walk onto the property. It's not like it's a surprise. Mm -hmm. So I think he did this all just to have this grand reveal. That's a good point. This wedding is now tainted. This this setup is now tainted because it made Angela mad. So she probably it's a bad memory. He's not going. He's not doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She had to design it this time. But wait, who? It's that that minister doesn't officiate their no real wedding because I'm sure because now because he planned everything without her for that. So I'm sure that she, you know, she had opinions about the the real wedding. Who officiates Dwight's wedding? I don't think we know who it is. I don't know. Kevin is the does the reading. Come, my anointed one. Like there's like that. You know, <laughs> maybe that's all we really get. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before we dig what ourselves any deeper, <laughs> I'm gonna look it up as soon as we're done, and we can figure out for it's sure. Worth keeping this in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's staying in. Another thing from this episode, Alex, you brought up the rule of threes uh, earlier in this episode, wherein most jokes land in three parts. You've got the blop, mm-hmm. the bop, and then the then there's the punchline. It's the third thing. And the plop. Uh, this is, to me, is an instance of, uh, what, of uh, what did you say? Sorry. Well, you were like, you did got the bop, again? and the bop, and then the, uh, I want to see. You got the bum, the bop, and the plop. <laughs> okay. For the, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. We're, uh, we're cruising. Andy stepping in manure in the kitchen to me is a famous example or the most memorable example of me of a joke that does not come in threes. That you've got Darn. just the... <laughs> <laughs> you just got the one and then in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like Why is that it. in the kitchen? <laughs> like it feels like, yeah, on the way out of Shoot Farms, he should have tripped and gone like face first into one. Mm-hmm. Like all the way. Yeah, you do right. get the fo- uh, Moe's throwing the football at his head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or whatever yeah, that yeah. ball is. I do yeah, think sort of old that's, ball. that's the right kind of restraint, though. If you had had Andy mm-hmm. stepping in manure three times in one episode, it might have felt a little over the top. Yeah. 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 The, so because I it's, think, such, a, a it's such a it's such a joke on its face on its own. It's just like guy steps in poop. You don't need to like it doesn't need the yeah. the structure of threes to really deliver on its something it's, about it's it something about it being in the kitchen feels like it jumps to the third <laughs> just yeah that, yeah that was yeah. right <laughs> to it yep yep uh before we move on to the conference room what what are your final thoughts on on this episode any other favorite moments that you yes another editing thing uh. Uh, just to also resolve the A storyline, um, when they, the way they pop in, open the door, goes, we'll go with the chairs, mm-hmm. and it's oh. really quick, and it's like we've spent this whole episode going back and forth, and the whole thing is resolved in like forty, like fourteen seconds mm-hmm. in this little scene. Um, you know, I'd rather, I figure, I'd rather have new chairs than nothing at all. And then it cuts on Michael going, mother. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And, then, and then right to the fur coat shot. It's just, it's great. A couple of little things. Uh, just uh, the joke about tiramisu. Michael finding the tiramisu in the trash. Yes. yes. Thank you. That, that's a, I, uh, I will admit that for the first few watches, or the first few times I saw this episode, I, I always just assumed that Michael had his own tiramisu that he brought back from the restaurant. But mm-hmm. no, in fact... You know, some people throwing out perfectly good tiramisu because it had a little bit of hair on it. But I think the illusion there is that he picked up Pam's tiramisu out of the trash. <laughs> yes, and that's what so. he's eating on the phone with David Wallace. I think so. uh, 
Then the other piece. Uh, I didn't never put that together. I'm oh, sorry. really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's pro- that's true. Like, I wonder if when they come back in, Jim, he... Jim is the only one carrying leftovers. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. I never. Oh, that's so funny. I, I always assume the same, that he has his own. We've got uh, the uh, Michael putting sugar in his Diet Cola or Diet Coke, whatever yep, soda that, that is. Um, and then just one moment from the episode that this particular episode of this podcast, you were talking about being in this episode in season five and cruising for a bruising. And, and now we are your cruise director. <laughs> you didn't say it at the time and I had to say it now. It's like, yeah, I'll I feel like, uh, uh, uh Andy sweet four Oh one. It's one of those moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Hank, by the way, yeah. um, making use of his time. Oh, yeah. he, I, there's a you physical know I change up in the Hank stairs when he gets this. up. Yeah, <laughs> nice and warm up here. He'll take as many as you want. And there's a moment when he realizes what's going on, and he just he just relaxes. Yeah, in a way that we haven't seen Hank all show. And the way he takes his time, and he knows about copiers, like he he knows where to look. He's like, you should see some of these new models. <laughs> and, then, and then the not much lumbar support line. It's just a really nice use of Hank. Um, and I enjoy how much he relishes the decision, even though he doesn't make one. I could uh, not sit all day in this chair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last one, one of the funnier big tuna moments in the show. Andy takes a bite of a tuna sandwich. Yes. Oh, Angela yes. comes over and kisses him while he's eating the tuna yes. sandwich. <laughs> I rewatching this as that happened. That was like, it's. I was like, oh, I don't. Why are the tuna sandwich thing? And then the kiss happens, yeah. and you're like, oh. Like Andy, like Angela is not even concerned about kissing Andy oh in that gosh. moment. She's just purely sending the message to Dwight, and that's how they hammer it home. <laughs> there is okay. So on Dunderpedia, there is a mention of uh, that in an interview. Um, okay, uh, during the season four, here's what's written here. Uh, Andy takes a bite out of the tuna sandwich just before Angela walks up to him and kisses him. During the season four finale, Dwight and Angela had an intimate scene. Angela complained in an interview that Rain had, Rain Wilson had eaten a tuna sandwich before the scene, and because she was pregnant and extra sensitive to smell, she had a hard time kissing Rain. Oh, God. So Yeah, I, that's... Yeah. Come on, Rain. Makes sense. Sure. <laughs> you got a kissing scene that day. No fish. But it's but it <laughs> that's a real-life moment that they ended up writing back into Brilliant. the show. That's so good. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh. I mean, there isn't a link to this interview, so it's just something that somebody wrote on this website. Sure. So take it with a grain of salt or, uh, you know, the sugar that Michael puts in his Diet Coke. But yeah, take it with a spoonful of sugar. Uh, I do like at the at the at the fur coat talking head at the end. He starts it by saying, what did we learn this week? Well, one, thanks to me, like it made me think that. The documentary crew every week is doing a recap with Michael at the very end of the week. Of like, yeah. what did you learn this week? Uh, I really enjoyed that. And then, um, what a way to close the episode! A great little close with Jim coming back for the copier joke with the same same kiss, same energy. I'm going to need four after the totally kidding line. Just well played, Perfect. good job all around. This is just a really solid episode. It really is. Really, it, it's it is it's in the running for like. If you could, someone who'd never seen The Office, you get to show them one episode. This is up there. Yeah, this is up there. You yeah. get, you you gotta get everything. You only not a, not a, not enough classic Dwight for me, but it's it's ah, it's in the running. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Good point. You'll Walk have to explain the backstory. The beehive. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Uh, 
In, that's one of those like forever. I've always thought the line was like walk until you hear the bees, but it's beehive. And I had one of those like, oh, okay, I guess it's that. <laughs> and by the way, Nana Mimi cannot squat over some trench. <laughs> well, Nana Mimi. <laughs> Shall we? Let's move uh, on. Let's move on to the conference room. Five Moving minutes. on. Season nine, episode 16. Yes. There we go. Got a new one. <laughs> All right. Okay, everybody, listen up. If you are not in that conference room in two minutes, I am going to kill you. So before we start the conference room this week, we wanted to mention that uh, as of this recording, uh, Marcus York, the actor who played Billy Merchant um, in The Office, has passed away as of today. So uh, just a quick RIP for Billy Merchant. Um, I-, I think a fan favorite character for us. We did an episode on him. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Billy. yeah, raising raising one up here for Marcus York and, yeah. uh, and Billy Merchant. Uh, no one... Has ever dealt with Michael Scott? Yes, yeah, so well. <laughs> Better than him. Let's let's listen to it one more time. Let me stop you right there. Okay. And leave. Perfect. Ah, well played. Love you, Love you Marcus. Uh, Goodbye, Marcus. Um, we'll miss you. Um, but today, uh, today for the conference room, because we're covering the surplus, we're going to be uh, picking sides. Uh, since uh, in this episode, the the employees of Dunder Mifflin Scranton pick sides on chairs or I'll copiers. take Roniacs. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. What was that? I said, I'll take Roniacs. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> I got one. I just think membership's a little low, so I'm going to get closer to the numbers. Oh, wow. oh, kidding. See, I took both sides. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. You're out. <laughs> We're kicking you out. Um, uh, I think the first one we had was something that we've been meaning to talk about, which is subtitles or no subtitles. Um, so, th- yeah, go ahead. Thing, one thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, do it. All right. So, and I, the, the, we share a Peacock account, the three of us, and uh, for for this show and watching The Office to prep and everything like that. And uh, one thing that I have noticed is um, I am a subtitles on person. So I love yes. to have the subtitles, and I notice that every now and then the subtitles are off when I, you know, go back to watch The Office, and it makes me wonder if the, between the three of us we are alternating turning them on and off to fit our preferences. So, well, you, I, which I, side well, are you I will on? say I will subtitles say, or no subtitles. I will say that I, I am a subtitles on person, so it is not me turning them off. I am a firm no subtitles guy, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> but only with comedies uh if it's a drama i'll turn those suckers on mm-hmm. but if it's co- if it's supposed to be funny because you i don't want the subtitles around because i i read the joke before i hear it sometimes and that's not how it was intended mm. and i don't like it now with the office for research sometimes i gotta have the subtitles on i want to know exactly what the word was i want to know exactly what they said but that's the only time i turn them on and then i turn them right back off but now that i know that you guys like them on i'm gonna leave them on Okay. They're going to stay on. Thanks, buddy. I, I see where you're coming from, but really with comedy, it never bothers me that much, even when I read it before it happens on screen. Yeah. I, I had a moment uh, not that long ago, I don't know, a year or two ago, where I was like, man, if it were up to me, I'd always have the subtitles on. Well, it's like, well, it is kind of up to me. We're all, we're all watching at home yeah, on TV and on our laptops <laughs> and stuff. So it's a very, very easy fix to make. But so my, my partner, Anne, like subtitles, she has them on whenever possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, we... we we were watching a stand-up special, and I was like, "If I'm not watching, if there's subtitles on a stand-up special, sure, it's that's just like, that's that's kind of fair. You can't do that. Enough. Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. You surprise. I get that. 
I mean, typically with a stand-up special too, it's like they're like shouting the whole time. So you know, it's a little or like clear. the finale of a reality <laughs> TV show where you're, they're about to announce the winner, <laughs> and they have it on the text is on screen first. Like that could be a moment. Yeah. Best yeah, picture exactly. goes to us too. Yeah. <laughs> La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it well, was La La Land, right? <laughs> then it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Before um, we move I'm on to we... some of the others, yeah. team copy or team chairs? Oh, I would be. Chairs. I would be team chairs. There's, There's not. Oh yeah. You just get to enjoy the chair all day, every day. I, I 100% agree with Pam. Bad chair can lead to bad health things. If you're sitting for that much of your life, mm-hmm. uh, a good chair is worth the money. There's one thing that I feel like you need for extra context. Does the stuff that they use on the copier, does that go out to clients? That would be my only caveat. It must. Like if it's it external must. facing, then man, you, you can't put your best foot forward with a bad machine like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess for the sake of argument in this, I'll go team copier. All right. All right. Well, Two to one. We're getting chairs. Yeah. Very well. Very well. Uh, well, let's do yeah, it. It's, it's just kind of like a, it's a protest vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just purely uh, even the numbers. Yeah. yeah, there were uh, there were a couple others that we were talking about. Uh, are you guys a ch- oh? Go sure, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I, I, I before I moved on, I really wanted to plug the stand up special because it's very very good. Oh. And I feel like no one talks about it. It's on HBO. It's by Julio Torres. It's called My Favorite Shapes. Oh, yeah, of course. If you haven't yeah. seen it, there's just like nothing like it. It's so good. It, okay. yeah, it's one I of the most original like, comedy specials. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'll Very it good. Um, Sitting on my copier. <laughs> How about chunky or creamy peanut butter? Ugh. Chunky, and I won't hear any other answer. Uh, creamy, and you just did. There <laughs> 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 you go, tie-breaking vote. Uh, a, I, I just think creamy, is, or sorry, I think crunchy is unequivocally the right answer. Go ahead, Sean. And I and I vote the, the same, chunky. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. Chunk, okay. chunks, chunks. <laughs> We just got to figure out like what Chunky's deal is. <laughs> uh, three hole punch Jim or Roy trying to punch Jim. <laughs> Very good. Hmm? Very good. Very good. Uh, I'm going to go Roy trying to punch Jim. It's much more interesting. Uh, I'm going to go three-hole punch, Jim. It's very uh, classic office. <laughs> it's very not violent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, the, gym in, the gym in the moment <laughs> right before he's right as he's being attacked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Jim. Roy trying to punch Jim. Yeah. yeah. Because of all the comedy that it leads to. It's a very dramatic scene, but uh, hilarity ensues, uh, of course. I, however, I am, taking book face. I am taking book face over Facebook. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, book face over Dave for sure. For our last one, we'll do uh, uh-huh. Recyclops or Belschnickel. Give me Recyclops. Ooh. Short but memorable. Uh, That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> nice. nice. Only only shows up once a year. It's short and memorable. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and has gotten much, much more sinister over time. Yeah, Politicorn wishes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Belschnickel because I might get out of there with a nice wooden bowl. 
Oh, wait, no, you don't get to keep yeah, the bowl. You don't get to keep the bowl. <laughs> I might get out of there with a face full of, of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go Belschnickel. Oh, so, oh, oh so, no, wait. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going Recyclops. There you go. What? Yes. He's going to throw. He's going to throw. That was a really good around. example of recycling your vote. <laughs> Recyclops. Yeah. Uh, Belschnickel is kind of a racist, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, Cyclops. Well, uh, well, Cyclops is destroying the Earth. Yeah, but kill, oh, kill, he, kill. That's what it says on his. See, he plate. sees all races <laughs> equally, at least. Though, I mean, he's gonna throw all your papers around, and uh, and Belschnickel is gonna feed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that you said those were the last three, but I came up with a couple others very quick. We don't have to be. Yeah, let's. Michael yeah, Klump versus or Blind Guy McSqueezy. Oh, clump. clump. <laughs> clump all day. I'm going to go blind guy McSqueezy. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, d- Imagine if you combine them. <laughs> Whoa. <Yeah. laughs> Just imagine Michael in the in the sumo suit falling eyes first into a vat of acid. At, at improv class. Yeah. In that if suit. only I'd worn the safety mittens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Date Mike versus prison Mike. Oh. Ooh, prison Mike. Date Mike. I'm Date Mike too. Nice to meet me. Yeah. Wow. Nice to meet me. Uh, What's funny is they're both wearing uh, backwards uh, headwear. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and then the last one, uh, Team Dunder or Team Mifflin? <laughs> I'll take. Uh, I'll take. I'll take Mif. I'll take Mifflin. I'll take Dunder. Yeah, I'll he's take- actually. We actually meet him. Yeah, I'll take no. Dunder as well. For no, I started this company in 1949. Wow! <laughs> Back then, it was a, an industrial supplier of metal brackets, <laughs> mostly for for construction. Oh boy! And then Mifflin. Of course, he killed himself later. Uh, but I knew Mifflin through the Rotary Club. Great! And he was he was at dinner with Beverly. <laughs> And her husband, oh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Jerry. Jerry Trupiano from, from South Jersey. And he was tall. Both he and Mifflin were tall guys. Right. <laughs> I never thought I would ever get to play that whole drop. <laughs> yeah. It's, at 45 seconds, just blows away all my other drops in <laughs> duration. Perfect. Perfect and just <sighs> tall. Wow. <laughs> they were tall guys. Uh, yeah, the, I'm going to go with Dunder. That's, that's Jerry Dunder at the Rotary Club from, uh, from, from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> that's Dunder. so accurate. Uh, good conference room. Yeah. We did it. Uh, is that it? Or do we need That was the last of my, the ones that I came up with in addition to our, uh, okay, our oh, working list. But there sick. is, there is, uh, an, a, a limitless supply, a lifetime supply. You know what I was thinking? This would be a really fun Instagram poll where you can do this or that. Mm. Nice. We can put that up. And Let's do it. I think in each one we'll do that. You know, you you have to make a decision as as our as one listener held us to. <laughs> you, you must give me an answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no cop outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we ran out of time for for trivia this week, but uh, of course, please keep the trivia. Uh, coming. We always appreciate that. Email us, mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. You can give us a call, 503-694-9314, and leave us a message. We love to play the voicemails on the show. 
Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We have a website, michaelscottpod.com. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash michaelscott. You can join us for five bucks a month and become a Scott's Tot. Every month you get a bonus mailbag episode where we answer all the questions from our Patreon supporters. Uh, and together we make a donation to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. So um, special thanks to all our Patreon members, our Scott's Tots. We love you guys so much. Uh, without you, this would not still be going on. So pat yourselves on the back and thank you so much for your support. Um, and special thanks to Ryan Lloyd, who helps us with our social media and designs our artwork. This episode was recorded in Portland, Oregon over video chat. A quick thank you to Caitlin, who sent us the, the news about Marcus York to let us know. Uh, I didn't have it in front of me before, but thank you again. Um, and to all of you, thank you for listening. Uh, we truly appreciate it. We love that you guys will hang out with us, spend a little time with us. Um, for our Patreon subscribers, I think I said this last week as well, but we'll have this month's episode coming out very soon if it's not out already. Uh, uh, but thank you again to, to everyone. Um, you're the reason we stay in the paper business. So uh, take care, stay safe. We'll see you next week. Pippity poppy, give me this up. Yes, yes sir. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.